Hello, I'm Paul Gilbert, and welcome to Strategic Leadership. Today, we're going to be talking about organizational culture. So there's a great quote from the the management guru of the 20th century, Peter Drucker. And he said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And what he meant was that almost regardless of what kind of direction you might set, you can only move an organization forward if it fits the the culture of that organization. And culture is such a it's such an interesting thing because it is largely unseen. Um, the, the great analogy for organizational culture is an iceberg. So you see the little bit at the top, but it's giant under the water. And there are all of these various factors of, of values and assumptions and, and things that are known within that organizational culture, but pretty much not written down and you have to kind of be in that group to figure out the way they think and act, the values they have, and the direction they're going. And it really drives a whole lot of interesting behavior. So in today's episode, we are going to be looking at three things. How culture is the number one issue related to organizational performance, how to figure out what culture you have, and how to change that culture if you want to. Um, It's a challenge, but it can be done. So a really interesting study was done by Duke University, their, their business school, and they interviewed 1,900 CEOs and CFOs about culture. And they found was the majority of them said it was the number one issue in driving organizational behavior and performance. You know, it, it's hard to see, it's hard to measure, and yet it's the biggest factor. They, they also found that these 1900 organizational leaders thought that culture could change with a number of things. One of them was that leaders must demonstrate through their actions, not just through their words, that you have to invest in the culture um, so that you really demonstrate it throughout. You don't tolerate uh, behavior that, that goes against the culture that you want. You reward the behavior that goes in the right direction and that you are at it for a while. Um, it is not something that changes on a dime. So today we're going to be looking at um, some great research on organizational culture that is in this book called uh, Diagnosing and Changing Organizational Culture um, based on the Competing Values Framework. It is authored by Kim Cameron and Robert Quinn. Cameron and Quinn are both from the University of Michigan Business School, and they've done some really interesting look at organizational culture. The the model is kind of simple, if you will. It's four quadrants. At the top, you have flexibility. At the bottom, you have control. Then the right-left axis, on the left side, you have an internal focus. And on the right side, you have an external focus. So let me just say that one more time so that we can kind of get these quadrants, four quadrants figured out. Again, the top of the scale is flexibility. The bottom of the scale is control. Those are opposite things. The left and right, left side is internal focus. Right side is external focus. 
So you wind up with four different organizational cultures that are defined by this model. Let's, let's start with hierarchy. So hierarchy is at the bottom. So it is control focused and it's to the left. So it's internal and control. So in the hierarchy model of culture, you have rules, you have uh, specialization, you ha- it's impersonal, it's highly accountable, there's a very, very clear chain of command, and that chain of command sort of drives everything. This model is very common in government, um, but certainly many large corporations also have it. It tends to develop in large organizations. The larger they get, the more hierarchical they get. I think you could also call this very bureaucratic. So it's impersonal, it's accountable, it is um, highly specialized, highly focused on rules and procedures, and there is not a lot of flexibility in there. Again, we are focused on control. That, That goes with all those rules and specifications. And we're internally focused. So we are, um, the attention will be more about what's going on in the hierarchy, in that organization, and less about the customers, constituencies, others on the outside. So if we stay down into the control mode, but just shift it from an internal focus to an external focus, we wind up with an organizational culture that Cameron and Quinn call market. And market is where a lot of bigger companies wind up. It still on paper looks very hierarchical and everything is very controlled. However, the the main feature that's different from the sort of government-focused hierarchy is that they are focused on the market. And so when you're focused on the market, the customer is king. They are very focused on profitability. They're focused on the transaction costs. So they want things to run smoothly and efficiently and drive down the cost and and win in that market. There is an assumption out there in, in the market culture that they're in a highly competitive, if you will, hostile environment. And they must succeed. They must compete. They must win. And that drives all of their decisions. Um, also in um, the first episode one, we talked about the difference between Amazon and um, Whole Foods, which Amazon purchased um, a few years ago. Whole Foods was a, a team structure and Amazon is very much of a hierarchical structure that's in the market area. So if you think about it, you can buy something on Amazon and it comes in at or close to the lowest price delivered very quickly. They very much focus on transaction costs and are large or complicated, but very focused on efficiency and winning in the market. Um, that is a, a great example of a market organization, but there are countless, countless other market organizations um, that have that same culture that drives their, their actions. They do well in the, in the business world, and they're focused on, on winning. Now, let's go to the opposite side. So with market, we're down in the lower right. 
We are focused on control and focused on the customer, the external. Let's go up to flexible, so the top rank, and over to the left, which is the internally focused flexible organization. The internally focused flexible organization in this book, Diagnosing and Changing Organizational Culture, is called the clan culture, clan being family. Many organizations that have this culture are family businesses. Um, they tend to be very, whether they're technically a family business or not, they're very family focused. They're very team, teamwork focused. They want everyone that works there to be happy. And that drives their, their mentality and what they're all about. Success is defined by their internal climate and concern for their employees. Um, I have a uh, an example. So I once worked for an organization that had this culture. When I was uh, in college, I worked for a motorcycle shop. And when a new product would come in, when a new motorcycle, a new bike would come in, we'd wait until all the customers were out of the, the shop. And we'd lock the door and we'd put up a sign that said, you know, we'll be back in, in you know, a half an hour. And everyone in that shop, the salespeople, the parts people, the mechanics, everyone would go out back and we would all take turns playing with the new toy. We'd all hop on the new bike. We'd ride it up. We'd ride it back. We'd talk about it. We'd, we'd laugh. We'd have a good time. And after everyone had had their turn, the manager would say, okay, now it's time for us to get back to work. And we would all go back. We'd open up the door again. <laughs> we'd welcome the customers in. The customers were there, yeah, to pay the bills, but we were there to have fun and and enjoy our love of motorcycles. So it's a perfect example of a clan organizational culture where the focus is internal and let's let's have a good time, let's make sure everyone's happy, let's, you know, let's do this for the the staff of this organization. It's a it's an interesting model. It's not the most interesting model. The most interesting model is the next one, the last one. So again, we're at the top of the, the quadrant. So it's flexibly focused instead of control focused, but we're flexibly focused towards the external, towards the customer, not internally. And this one has kind of a crazy name. It is called adhocracy. So A-D-H-O-C-R-A-C-Y kind of like an ad hoc committee, you, which is, you know, you set up for a short period of time and then it's gone. Adhocracy is a governance form that is very focused on the here, the now, the how do we get this done. In the adhocracy, the perfect example of this would be Silicon Valley and all the tech companies that are out there. It is focused on creativity flexibility. It is informal. It has a flat organizational model. So it's it's much more equal and much more focused on creativity. So you think about how Google expects their employees to spend a certain amount of time on things outside of their direct um, job description. They want them to do that because they are looking 
always for the new, the newest, greatest thing, the new thing that will turn the market around. And many or most of the technology firms, they may approach it slightly differently, but they have the same culture. They're looking for the new greatest technological leap. They're going to work all night to get it. They're, um, they're, they're very focused on the customer, on, on getting this product, but they're doing it in a very loose and less structured way because they realize the best idea may or may not come from the person at the top of the food chain. It may come from, from someone else who is in the organization that has a great idea and they can grab that idea and amplify it and, and do something great. So adhocracy is um, kind of a cool, fun uh, culture that is very different. Um, so its opposite extreme is, is the hierarchy model. And the clan model's opposite extreme is the market model. With that, you get these, um, these four quadrants. One of the things in understanding an organization and, and managing it is you have to work within the culture that's there and you can move that culture, but it takes slow, consistent effort to, to move it. A tremendous number of change initiatives in organizations, whether they be strategic plans or other efforts, change efforts, fail. And often they fail because some consultant or some leader decided, here's what we should be, and what their idea of what we should be did not match who they were. And you really need to start with who you are as an organization. What's the culture that's already well-established? And build from there. The other thing is, success in leadership is going to look very different in each one of these quadrants. If you are put into a clan organization and you have come from a market organization where it is all about winning and competitiveness and, and getting it done now, regardless of the cost, that is not going to go over well. You are not going to be popular with those around you. Also, if you come from the clan organization and you go to the market organization and you want everyone to be happy and let's, you know, talk about the weekend and, 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 you know, make sure everyone is feeling validated. That's not going to be well received when you have, you're in a competitive environment and you need to charge forward. If you are in the adhocracy and you are the creative genius, you're not going to fit well in that bureaucratic hierarchy, nor is that leader of the hierarchy who needs to know the rules and the procedures. And, and that's going to be what lets them drive ahead, they're not going to succeed very well in the adhocracy. So understanding what culture you're in can help you understand how to move forward and move forward in a way that validates that culture and uses the best of that culture. Because honestly, we all will have our views about which one of these organizational cultures we might like to, to work in, but they all have strengths and they all have weaknesses. So Understanding those strengths and weaknesses can really have a big effect. So I'll tell you a, a story about changing organizational culture. I am the executive director of a 
of a regional park agency, and we have operations in multiple um, cities and counties of a wide variety of different kinds of operations. We generate almost 90% of our operating money through enterprises. So we're, we're government, but we operate very, very much like the private sector in terms of how we are funded and how we operate. And we have uh, many, many different business segments, maybe a dozen different business segments out there. So we did a survey a few years ago of employees and asked them a number of questions. And I had just finished reading this book on, on organizational culture and decided to put into the survey a number of questions that would get at these two axes, the axis of, of flexibility versus control and internal versus external to kind of see where we were. What I found, interestingly enough, and surprisingly enough, is that we actually fit into adhocracy. Now, that is, according to the research, the fewest number of organizations fit into that model, where you are flexibly focused and focused to the external, to the customer. Now, I believe that a few years ago, if we had done the survey, we would have wound up in the clan culture, where it is... Um, focused internally and highly flexible. So the flexibility didn't change. We pride ourselves on being nimble and entrepreneurial. And we are, I don't know whether we're large or small, that all depends on what perspective you come from. If you're from a smaller organization, we look large. If you're from a larger organization, we look small. But we are um, an organization that views ourselves as being nimble, flexible, able to adapt quickly, able to do a lot of different things. That's fantastic. I think the thing that changed, that moved us from clan to adhocracy, was a shift towards focusing to the exterior. True to form, the way that you change culture is by demonstrating it, reinforcing it, investing in it, and doing it over time. We had just had about five or six years of really focusing on customer service. So before that period of time, customer service, we, we'd have an occasional training on it, but it was not uh, a systematic approach. It was just sort of a one-off here and a one-off there. A number of years ago, we realized that one of the ways that we could have a competitive advantage in the marketplace is to exceed at customer service. So we went about working with some consultants and adapting it to our own organization and really developing a very, very robust customer service training program that everyone went through where we had then follow-ups and customer service um, mentors at each site and, and, and just a lot of continuous reinforcement of the theme. So it wasn't a once and done. It was an ongoing program that continues and evolves and everyone goes through customer service training. It's reinforced and we really focus on it. I think that long-term effort focused on the customer, the customer is external market, moved us to be 
a flexible organization that was focused on the customer. We also are very innovative and have innovated many, many different things within our field. And I'll I'll cover some of this in a in a later episode focused on innovation. But we're proud of our innovation, we're good at innovation, and we're externally focused. I think it demonstrates how you move a culture is you pick what direction you want, you have continuous reinforcement of behaviors that push you and the rest of the group in that direction slowly, and it doesn't happen overnight. But if you understand this, you can understand what organization you're in, where you'd like to be, and how to migrate from one area to another. So you might not be able to migrate to the polar opposite, probably don't want to. You probably want to lean in on the things that are that are good and and reward those and simply push yourself a little bit in one direction or another to improve your position in the market and be in a more strategic place. So there we go. We just talked about strategy and we just talked about culture and going back to it. Peter Drucker says, culture eats strategy for breakfast. You have to have the culture right or you can't win on on the strategy. Again, it's been wonderful talking to you today about organizational culture. I wish you all the best. Please like, subscribe, comment, all those good things. Help the channel advance and please tell your friends about it. If they are interested in any of this type of content, welcome them to, to join strategic leadership and let's let's study this stuff together. Thank you very much.